If you have your Bibles, um, open with me. Uh, Let's start in prayer first, and then we'll open our Bibles. Heavenly Father, sanctify us through thy truth. Thy word is indeed truth. As we hear your word today, Lord, may you touch our hearts with your Holy Spirit. May we see, Lord, the greatness and power of your word and the work of your Holy Spirit in our lives. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Open with me to Mark chapter 10 if you have your Bibles. This is a story that uh, many of you are familiar with, reading verses 46 through 52. Then they came to Jericho, as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city, a blind man, that is the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man, Cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. And I want to put one more verse with that out of Luke. Uh, It's the same story. Luke writes in uh, chapter 18, verse 43. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they praised God. Mark tells us that Jesus and his disciples and a large crowd of people were leaving the city of Jericho. Jericho was one of the oldest cities in the world. In fact, it is also the lowest city below sea level in the world that has been continually inhabited. At the time of Jesus, Jericho was a prosperous city and a lot of publicans or tax collectors lived there. Jericho is 15 miles from Jerusalem with a climb of 3,400 feet to get there. In Jesus' day, it was an eight-hour walk from Jericho to Jerusalem. Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem uh, for the Passover feast, and the crowd that traveled with him was in a very festive mood. Jesus had been through the city of Jericho many times, but this time was different. He wasn't going to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover feast. He was going to Jerusalem to give his life on a cross for the sins of the world. Jesus was going to Jerusalem to die. This would be the last time that he would ever walk through Jericho. He had told his disciples only a week ago that he would be sacrificing his life in Jerusalem. But they didn't take him seriously. He was too popular, they said too well loved by the people. 
So in the midst of the large festive crowd, Jesus was all alone. He alone knew the pain, rejection, and humiliation that he was about to suffer. All of these people, and he was all alone. Sometimes it's like that for us as well. The circumstances of our lives are weighing heavily upon us, and we are in a crowd, and yet we are all alone at the same time. We think to ourselves, nobody knows what's going on in my life. Nobody understands, and worst of all, nobody cares. But Jesus does. He was there. He cared enough to notice a little man sitting up in a tree, trying to see him as he went through Jericho. He called to him, Zacchaeus, come down. I must go to your house to eat with you today. Much to the amazement of his disciples and the people, he went to that sinner's house to eat. He gave Zacchaeus that day something that his money could not buy. He gave him the gift of eternal life. As he left, he said, today salvation has come to this house. You have become a son of Abraham. Carol and I were in the city of Jericho. We were there on a trip to Israel with Pastor Jeff, which is where he is right now. Jericho is an Arab-controlled city, as are Bethlehem and Nazareth. And our bus driver stopped at this place to let us out to do a little sightseeing. And where he stopped, there was this giant tree. And around the giant tree was an iron fence, and by the fence was an Arab. And the Arab was telling people, this is the tree that Zacchaeus climbed up in when Jesus went through Jerusalem. And he had a table with a bunch of bark pieces on it, and he was selling the bark to the tourists so they could have a piece of that bark for themselves. Well, we didn't really think that that was Zacchaeus's tree, so we didn't buy any bark. But today he was leaving Jericho, and there was a blind beggar named Bartimaeus sitting by the road. His name means son of Timaeus. The word bar means son, and Timaeus was his family name. He was never even given a personal name. He's both blind and a beggar. He's a dalit, an untouchable, an outcast. People don't touch him. He spends all his days sitting by the roadside, hoping to gather a few coins to keep himself alive. As the noise of the approaching crowd comes to his ears, Bartimaeus asks, what is happening? Someone tells him that Jesus of Nazareth is walking by. Bartimaeus has probably heard stories about Jesus, stories about his healing people, feeding the sick or feeding the hungry, casting out demons. He is desperate for help. This may be his last opportunity. He may never see Jesus again. And so he begins to cry out for help. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Bartimaeus has been sitting by the road and he's covered with dust from the feet of people and animals who have been shuffling by him. He's an embarrassment to the people. Jesus is a well-known prophet. And some have even said that he is the son of God. And many rebuked him, it says in verse 48, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He's desperate, but an unwanted distraction to the crowd. He may never have this chance again in his life. This is his last hope. The Holy Spirit has been preparing him for this very day because he calls Jesus by his messianic title, the son of David. 
He doesn't just call to Jesus the man, but to Jesus, the Son of God. We also see that he doesn't cry, Jesus, heal me. He doesn't cry, Jesus, give me money. He doesn't cry, Jesus, take away my pain. He cries for mercy. He's realizing that his need is greater than being healed of blindness. He's recognizing that Jesus can heal his deepest need. In another place in Jesus' life, an even more desperate man called out to him. The thief on the cross had probably never met Jesus, but somehow he recognized that he was the Son of God, and he said to him, Remember me, Lord, when you come in to your kingdom. It is a much worse thing to be spiritually blind than it is to be physically blind. Bartimaeus couldn't see Jesus with his eyes, but in his heart, he knew that Jesus was the answer to his deepest need. He needed mercy and deliverance from his sins. We remember the story of a Pharisee and a tax collector who went to the temple to pray. The Pharisee stood by himself and he prayed, Lord, I thank you that I'm not like other men, cheaters, adulterers, or even this tax collector. Then he listed all the good things he had done. The Bible says that the tax collector never even lifted his eyes to heaven, but smote on his breast and said, Lord, be merciful unto me, a sinner. He pleaded for mercy, the same mercy that Bartimaeus was crying out for. The Bible says that it was the tax collector who went home justified. Bartimaeus couldn't see Jesus with his physical eyes, but he could see him clearly with the eyes of his heart, and he cried out all the louder, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. What if you are sitting here today as an unsaved sinner, and you know that you had only one chance left to cry out to Jesus? Would you do it? Would you be desperate enough to ignore the pressure of the crowd around you and cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me? I talked to a man who was in that position. His daughter left church one Sunday and said, would you call my stepdad? He'd like to talk to a pastor. And I gave him a call the next Monday morning. His name was Wally. And when I introduced him, myself to him, I said somewhat like Jesus did, what can I do for you, Wally? And he said, I want to be born again. And I said, when would you like to talk about this? He said, how about today? And so I looked at my calendar, and it was free, so I got his address. And I drove out to his house. I knocked on the door, and he said, come in. Wally wasn't very mobile. He couldn't come to the door to greet me. He just said, come in. When I sat down at his kitchen table with him, he looked at me and he said, I want to go where my wife is going when she dies. His wife was at the Wassa Hospital, the Spirus, dying of cancer. Wally had a Bible opened in front of him. It was open to a very unusual passage in the book of Ecclesiastes, and this is what it said. Don't let the excitement of being young cause you to forget about your Creator. Honor Him in your youth before the evil years come when you'll no longer enjoy living. It will be too late then to try and remember Him when the sun and light and moon and stars are dim to your old eyes and there is no silver lining left among your clouds. 
For there will come a time when your limbs will tremble with age and your strong legs will become weak and your teeth will be too few to do their work and there will be blindness too. And your lips, let your lips be tightly closed and when you waken at the dawn with the first note of the birds, but you yourself will be deaf and tuneless with a quavering voice. You'll be afraid of heights and of falling a white-haired old man dragging yourself along. Wally was a picture of those verses. He was 72 years old. He'd been an auto mechanic all his life. His hands were all gnarled. His hair was white. He was missing some teeth. He was on oxygen. That was Wally. And I said to him, Wally, let's talk a little bit about the gospel. And so we did. We opened his Bible and looked at the scriptures. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin are death. And we talked about Jesus coming to pay the price that we could not pay for ourselves. And you know, just like Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus knew about Jesus while he did too. He knew all about Jesus, but he had never asked Jesus to be his savior. And when he got done, I said to him, Wally, would you like to ask Jesus to forgive your sins and be your savior? And he said, yes, I would. And I put my hands on top of his, and we prayed. And while I asked Jesus to come into his heart and life, to forgive his sins and be his savior, when we were all done, he looked up at me with a smile on his face. I said to him, Wally, you're a walking miracle. You see, 80% of people who accept Jesus do it before they're 18 years old. You have made the most important decision in your entire life. And then I left. Wally called his stepdaughter that afternoon and told her what he had done. And he said to her, I felt so good, I went outside for the first time in three months. Two days later, I was at Aspirus Hospital, standing next to Wally's wife. She'd been in a coma for three days. Her two daughters were with her. And as we talked together, she slowly opened her eyes. She was too weak to speak. But her daughter, Carol, bent down by her ear and said, Mom, I want you to know that Wally accepted Jesus as his Savior two days ago. She got a little smile on her face. And she closed her eyes and never opened them again. Two years later, I buried Wally. I told his story at his funeral. Verse 49 says that Jesus stopped. The crowd was amazed. Jesus had been in a crowd before, and a woman quietly came up behind him and touched the hem of his robe, and she was healed of a condition of blood. And at that time, Jesus said, Who touched me? And Peter said to him, Lord, there are people all around you. How can you ask who touched you? Everyone is touching you. Jesus can feel the lightest touch and hear the faintest cry of a desperate heart. Jesus didn't just hear the voice of Bartimaeus calling over the noisy crowd. He heard the cry of his heart. The Bible says that sin flows out of the hearts, and it's our hearts that need to be changed. The words might come off our lips, but that cry started in our hearts. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Only Jesus can forgive sins. Only Jesus can answer the cry of the human heart. 
Only Jesus can hear us when we stand in the middle of a noisy crowd with all that pain in our heart and say, Jesus, have mercy on me. He can hear the faintest cry. Before I became a pastor, I had four 10 years of careers in business. My last 10-year career was with a company called Gordon Aluminum. I was the human resource manager there. And although the owner was not a believer in Jesus, he allowed me to give Christian counseling to our employees. And a number of people accepted Jesus, 25, in the time that I was there. And it wasn't unusual for me as I walked through the plant for somebody to say, would you pray for this for me today? On this particular day, I had two brothers, Mike and Jeff, working there. And Jeff said to me, uh, my dad is in the hospital dying of cancer. And I said to him, Jeff, is your dad a Christian? He said, I don't know. We were raised Catholic, but we never went to church. And Jeff also told my assistant, Veronica, that same thing that morning. And she came to me about an hour later and she said, Dave, I really believe the Lord wants me to go up to the hospital and talk to Jeff's dad. Could you give me a little time off to do that? And I said, sure, go ahead. She got up there and Jeff's daughter was sitting by him. Jeff had been in a coma, or Jeff's dad had been in a coma for two days. And she introduced herself to his daughter, and she said, I've come up here to talk to your dad. And she said, my dad's been in a coma for two days. And Veronica looked at her and said, he'll talk to me. And it was about lunchtime. She said to the woman, have you had lunch? She said, no. She said, well, why don't you go down and have lunch, and I'll just sit by your dad until you come back. And the woman said, thanks, I'll do that. And so Veronica sat there. Fifteen minutes later, her dad opened his eyes. He was startled to see her because he didn't know who she was. She quickly introduced herself and said to him, have you ever asked Jesus to forgive your sins and be your savior? And he said, no. And she began to witness the gospel to him, actually rather hurriedly, because she didn't know how long he'd be awake. And when she got done, she said to him, would you like to pray to ask Jesus to be your savior? And he closed his eyes, didn't respond. She sat there another 10 minutes. He opened his eyes again and he said three words. Yes, yes, yes. And he closed his eyes and he died the next morning. And the rest is history. Jesus heard the cry of Bartimaeus, and the people said to him, Jesus is calling you. This is news beyond Bartimaeus' wildest dreams. How does he respond? Verse 50 says that he threw off his cloak and he jumped up to come to Jesus. Was he worried about his appearance or what people thought? This was his time. This was the defining moment of his whole life. He had waited his whole life for this moment. His cloak was his most valuable possession, but it was long, and it could have, he could have stumbled on it getting to Jesus. It was also the source of his income. You see, because he was an untouchable, nobody would come near him, so he spread his cloak out in front of him each morning so he could hear the clink of the coins when people threw the coins into his cloak. And in the evening, he would gather them 
all together with his cloak. He needed his cloak to survive, but he wanted nothing to impede him, nothing to hold him back. The writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 12:1, therefore, because we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us cast aside every weight and every sin that clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Do you get the picture? When Jesus calls, there's no other voice to be heard. Peter and James and John drop their nets right in the boat when he called them. When Jesus calls us to salvation or service, he's looking for a direct response. Jesus would never walk by Bartimaeus again. Jesus calls us to come to him that we might be saved, and he calls us to come to him that we might serve him as well. When you hear the call of Jesus, you need to respond immediately. I told you about my time at Gordon Aluminum. When I was 63 years old, the owner's son, who had gone to law school, came into the business, and his dad gave him control of the business. He hired a beautiful woman to be my assistant, and then he asked me if I'd consider retiring early. Well, I had thought about cutting out a part-time job for myself. Who's going to hire a 63-year-old worn-out guy, right? So I said I'd think about it, and I prayed about it. And just to my great surprise, the Lord spoke to me. He didn't speak in an audible voice that I could hear, but he spoke words into my mind, and this is what he said, Dave, A.J. Gordon is not asking you to retire. I am. I could hardly believe it. I was 63. I had a wonderful ministry there. What was I going to do? So I went home and I talked to Carol about it. And I said, there's no question in my mind that that's what the Lord wants me to do. And she agreed. I went in the next day and I gave him my notice. He was shocked. Seventeen days later, the elders here asked me to join the staff as a pastor. That was 17 years ago. <laughs> That's why they need formaldehyde <laughs> to keep me going. A Christian man told me that Jesus had called him to a particular task, and he said no. He told me that the call never came again. Perhaps you have to cast away your pride to come to Jesus. Maybe there is something else in your life that has to be set aside to answer the call of Christ in your life. Bartimaeus never hesitated. He cast aside his most valuable possession, and the scripture says he jumped to his feet to come to Jesus. Verse 51 says that Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Do we think that Jesus was unable to see that he was blind? We know better than that. Jesus was asking Bartimaeus for a public testimony of his faith. Satan and the world want to try and close our mouths when it comes to testifying about Jesus. They say, keep it to yourself. Keep it out of the schools. Keep it out of the workplace. You can talk about Jesus in private, but not in public. It is by faith that we are saved through grace. Hebrews 11:6 says, Without faith, 
it is impossible to please God. We have to know that he exists and that he is the rewarder of those who believe in him. Jesus said in Matthew 10 that if we confess him before men, he will confess us before our Father who is in heaven. Bartimaeus was not ashamed and he did not hesitate. Jesus wants us to confess him before our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers, and schoolmates as well. Bartimaeus didn't ask to talk to Jesus in private or in a place one-on-one. There was no pride left in him. He said to Jesus, Rabbi, I want to see. The word rabbi comes from the root word, the Hebrew word rab. A rab is a person who is a um, disciple studying the Bible. A rabbi is the name for a teacher of the Bible. And the word that Bartimaeus used when he addressed Jesus was rabboni. Rabboni is the word used to address the highest of teachers, the most wonderful of teachers. Using that title, this was a sacred encounter for Bartimaeus. He recognized Jesus as the Christ, and by calling him Rabboni was declaring him to be Lord of Lords and a divine teacher of teachers. He was expressing his greatest possible love and admiration for Jesus the most he could find in words. The only other time that word is used in the Bible is when Jesus met Mary after his resurrection. And after he called her by name, she called him Rabboni. Rabboni, the highest and greatest of teachers. The cry of Bartimaeus' heart was for more than a physical healing. It was also, open the eyes of my heart so that I may be healed from the misery of my sins. Jesus' reply was simple and profound. Go, Jesus said, your faith has made you whole. The Greek word for whole that Jesus used is a well-rounded, fulsome wholeness. Jesus always knows our needs more and better than we do and often gives us much more than we ask for. Jesus told Bartimaeus that it was his faith that made him whole. I said earlier, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Barnabas' faith was not the expression of his own will. Faith is a gift of God. Faith comes by hearing, the Bible says, and hearing by the word of God. As Jesus drew near to Bartimaeus, the Holy Spirit began to work in his heart to bring him the gift of faith. He was given the ability by the Holy Spirit to receive his healing and the gift of life. We see his response recorded in Luke 18:43. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they praised God as well. Can you imagine what this scene was like? You're in the crowd, and Jesus calls for this man, and he comes and he stands before him, and Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Bartimaeus' heart is beating right out of his chest. Everybody is watching in anticipation. 
And Jesus says to him, go. Go. And his eyes were opened. And who was the first person he saw? It was Jesus standing in front of him. He was overwhelmed with joy. Having been blind all his life, think of all the things he may have wanted to do. But the choice he makes is to follow Jesus. What about you? And what about me? Maybe you are here today and the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart, telling you that Jesus did indeed go to the cross to pay for your sins. Maybe he is showing you that all the efforts you have put in to try and control your life have failed. Maybe he has stopped in front of you like he did for Bartimaeus and is looking right into your heart and saying, come to me today. Maybe he will never walk by you again and this is your day and your time to acknowledge that you are lost in your sins and need a savior. Will he respond like Bartimaeus and cast everything aside that you might be holding back and say, Lord Jesus, I come to you today. I believe that you died for me. Maybe Jesus is calling you to serve him in some way. Maybe Jesus is wanting you to rededicate your life to him today. Maybe Jesus is standing right by your chair right now and saying to you, what do you want me to do for you? In Jesus' name, amen. Father, sanctify us through thy truth. Thy word is indeed truth. We thank you, Lord, for the gift of your word. We thank you more for the gift of your son who gave his life as a sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. Maybe, Father, you're calling us to serve you today in some way as well. Jesus, as you look into our hearts, may we open them to you and say, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. In Jesus' name, amen.